Hey, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Building Bridges podcast. And tonight we have a special guest uh, that is willing to come on here and talk to us and be extremely transparent. We're going to be discussing living, struggling, and overcoming sexual sin. All right, living, struggling, struggling, and overcoming sexual sin. So right now I'm gonna bring Neil on here. Hey Neil, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing good. So good to be with you tonight. So grateful to, to be able to, to talk to everyone. Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. We're gonna give some folks a couple of minutes to get in here. And and I'm I'm, I'm gonna do what do what my pastor says all the time. He says, uh uh I need everybody to to uh be like an evangelist and share the word. So to share the share the uh the live yep. event. so it is all good and um the one thing i want the folks at home to know today is that we have neil Getslow with us tonight and we are going to be talking about living struggling and overcoming sexual sin and so the first thing that i want to do is i want to let neil tell us a little bit about himself introduce himself to the crowd yeah. So again, thanks for for having me on uh, tonight. Really appreciate the opportunity to share my testimony. Um, it's um, it's a wild wild ride, frankly. And I know it's it's an uncomfortable topic for some folks, but I, I'm I'm here tonight to help to bring some encouragement to people that that might be facing similar struggles and may not even have to deal with a sexual sin, whatever sin might be weighing you down. Just um, I want to bring some encouragement to how I was able to. Um, how was I, I was able to, to break free, break free. And, and I'm um, just, you know, want to let people know that God is still out here working big time because he's been working on me for the past few years. And it's, it's been awesome. And uh, living in Kansas city, Missouri with my wife, Amy, we've got uh, five sons between us, two of my own sons, three sons of Amy. And so um, we've got a big family, a lot of boys to try to bring to God. And, um, just uh, blessed to be here tonight to be able to um, to share. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate you, you know, coming up here and uh, just being transparent. Right. You know, it's not just even though the, the uh, topic here is living and struggle, living, struggling and overcoming sexual sin. But like you said, we want people to just know just how awesome God is. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're in the church or out of the church. You can still be struggling with sin. Right. It doesn't go away. Even after we get saved, we learn how to do well, as the Bible tells us what to do. And we have these 13 books that the Apostle Paul wrote to teach us and show us how to continuously live a holy and victorious lifestyle. Right. So let's get into it, sir. Let's yeah. get into it. And so my first question for you. Mr. All right. Bring it. All right. You ready? Yeah, uh, we, we, we got some new folks joining us tonight. Uh, God bless everybody that just jumped on. Again, this is a good brother, uh, Neil Getzlow, and we're going to be talking about sexual sin. And so my first question to you, sir, is when did you know that sexual sin in your life was becoming a problem? Oh, man, that's a good that's a good question. Um I, I mean, it probably, I probably realized it in waves over the, the course of, of my life. I can't point to one particular moment that said, I'm in deep or I, you know, like, 
this is becoming a problem because I think, and I've talked to a lot of addicts since I've become saved um, and not necessarily suffering from a porn addiction, pornography addiction or sex addiction that I was, that I had, but with drugs or alcohol and like, you always think you're in control and like, you can handle it. Like, this is not hurting me. It's not hurting anybody else. So I'm good. Um, but I would say over the last, you know, really the, you know, I'd say over the last four years or so of, of before I, this all kind of came unmasked in my life, um, I could just feel it getting darker and darker. Um, the urges that I had that I couldn't control, I couldn't stop it, even though I knew what I was doing was wrong. Um, I knew I was bringing evil into my house. Um, and I wasn't saved. I, in fact, I considered myself an atheist up until two years ago. Um, but I still knew it was wrong and I still, and I just, I, I couldn't stop. I like, I was just like, I was just being sucked in the culture, you know, the culture that I was living in was, was, was seducing me. It had stolen, you know, stolen, stolen my life. And um, so I couldn't point to one particular moment that said, Hey, this is it. But it just was like, I'm just slowly being, you know, sucked into the tractor beam and just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't break free. Right. No, you know, I, I appreciate that transparency and I'm sure the people at home do as well. And, you know, I, when I was looking at your bio and I was looking at everything that you had gone through and what you, what you wrote about in your book, and we're going to talk about those in, in, in small bits and pieces here. But the one I want to talk about next is uh, the infidelity. And yeah. before we really just kind of dive into that, what I want to do is share the screen here. And so in, in Matthew 5, right, I believe that's 5 and 28, it, it says, but I say unto, you know what, let me remove the, the frame so that everybody can get a true understanding of what's, what's happening here. So Matthew 5 and 28 says, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, I want to be clear, just looking at a woman wasn't the thing right but look what it says it says to lust after her and hath committed adultery with her already in his heart and then hebrews 13 and 4 says clearly marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers god will judge and so you said something that was extremely important to me that you said you knew right that you were bringing sin you were bringing this judgment into your home. And so could you talk to us a little bit uh, uh, about that? And the real question that I have is this, it's a two-part question. What was the effect on you personally during the time of infidelity? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would say that, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's why I called my book is called Unmasked because I've been living this double life for a good portion of my wife and my wife, Amy and I am going on 10 years of marriage. Um, I'd say I probably for 70% of the marriage was, was living this double life. Um, I hid everything behind this mask. Um, by, by bringing this evil into my house, I knew I had to lie to keep it going, to keep this addiction going because I didn't tell anybody. I had not one person in my life that knew that I was going through this. Not right. one person. It was all on me. And I had this entire web of lies 
that it was just, I was weaving in my mind. And you know, it's one of the things I realized when I got out of it, um, I realized how much that was weighing me down. Right. Like I was, when I'd have a conversation with my wife um, before I got saved, I was so worried about, am I going to say something that's going to unpack and unravel all these lies and blow up the secret lie? So I was so focused on that that I could not give her the proper attention. Um, I could not communicate properly to her because I was just so worried about saying something um, that was going to, you know, expose expose what I was doing. Right. And so I think to me, like, that's one of the, I mean, they're the <laughs> like, I look at it this, I break it down like this. There's a mental cost to what I was doing. And I think that's part of it. And just mentally feeling like, yeah, I mean, it goes back. Well, there's a lot to unpack because we can go back 40 years of my childhood and where, where this kind of started from the root of it from. Um, she got, you got the mental aspect of it, physical health, what it's doing to you. You know, you think about um, the, the financial impact it was having on my life and the impact it was having on the relationships in my life. Like it was, even though I didn't see it at the time, I look back on it now and absolutely it was all of those pieces of my life were being impacted by the decisions I was making. Um, you know, and, and it just, uh, yeah, it was, it was not good. Right. Uh, you know, that, that's so incredible to hear another man say that, right. That, that you were, masking it you were lying about it you were hiding it so that no one couldn't see but yet deep down inside you knew what it was doing to you you knew what it was doing and even though you said at the time you wasn't saved but you understood that it was morally wrong and, yeah. and you understood that it was bringing detriment to you to your life right but that's a telltale sign that there are things in this life that grab a hold of us that is so hard to break for us to walk away, you know? And the second part to that question was, uh, well, hang on, let me say this because uh, we got some more people that that joined in. God bless everybody for joining us. I am here with Neil Getzlow, uh, author, all right? And we are talking about dealing with sexual sin. He is the author of a book called Unmasked, Conquering Sexual Sin and Walking in Victory. And so that's where we're at. But the second part to that question is, you know, you you talked about the effect that it had on you personally. Can you speak to if you're open to talking to, can you speak to what that effect had on your wife and maybe the children if they were old enough to understand what was happening? So um, I'll start with, with, you know, with with my with my boys. Like, you know, I my first this is my second marriage. <clears throat> my first marriage ended in infidelity. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, so I. I got divorced and, um, you know, so now, now I, my, my parents were divorced, you know, and I vowed growing up, I'm never going to, I don't want to get divorced because I don't want my kids to to feel the same way that I did. Right. And I, I've just now done the same thing that, that my parents did. And now I'm, I'm putting that on my kids. And um, so I, you know, that was hard to deal with, you know, having two separate homes. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I um, not, that's, I think one of the things that, um, I probably, you know, things that I still regret is like I was that I wasn't saved earlier. Now, I know it's never too late. Right. But I didn't have a chance to raise my kids in a, in a godly home uh, as, as much as my wife tried to when she got saved after we became married. Um, I, th you know, I regret not being able to to get to them earlier. Now, that doesn't mean we're giving up now. Now, 
now as they're older and getting on their own, um, we've, we've got some more work to do and we gotta, we gotta um, be bold in, in how we talk to them. And we're, we pray every day for those opportunities that, that we can help lead them to lead them to Jesus. Um, you know, the, the impact to my wife, I would say, I don't know how else to describe it, but I, I mentally, this is mental abuse to her, right? Because it was not only the addictions that I had, which was the addiction to pornography and the addiction to sex. And, and that addiction to sex led me to seek out prostitutes and, and pay for their company, um, which I did many, many times on business trips or, or even in Kansas City. Um, so you've got that going on, but like that was just one. I, I that was just one sin. But I loved it. I loved every sin in the world. Like I celebrated it all. So like my my friends and I, um, we have this ritual of going out to the bars every week and watching whatever football basketball game was on TV. I always went. I left Amy at home. Right. And then I'd go out and, and drink too much and probably drive when I shouldn't have been driving. Um, and so I celebrated that and, and partaked in, in doing drugs. And um, I just I left her home a lot, alone a lot. And then not did not have a very good way of communicating with her for so many years. Like it's amazing. Like it's just amazing that she she prayed for me for eight long years to get saved even though she knew like she, she didn't have any proof of what I was doing, but she knew like she, she says that God was prepping her for what was about to come um, in some of the interactions she was having in her life. But she prayed for me for eight years to get saved. And um, she, she, you know, she, um, she stuck with it. And like, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure a lot of people would have, right? And rightly so, right? Like I, if she would have walked away, nobody would have blamed her. Absolutely. No. You know, I think we all go through differences like that, even just within the marriage alone, right? Even if you yeah. wasn't having to, having this particular conversation, we talk about in, in your marriage. I mean, I can remember times when, you know, I've been married now 28 years. And, and in the first, I don't know, 10, 12 years, I, I could tell you 10 times a year where my wife should have left me. You know what I mean? But it's 28 years later and she's stuck yeah. by me. And not everything was an infidelity thing or whatever. You know, it's just the fact that I just wasn't a good husband. I, yeah. I can say that. I, you know, I wasn't a good husband. I was a great provider. I was a great father, but I wasn't a great husband. And so it really wasn't until I came to Christ. It really wasn't until I was filled with the Holy Ghost that I started to understand that my wife means more to me than just the person laying next to me. You know, what that, I mean? uh, that's a great point because I had not up until um, 2020, spring of 2020 was the first time I started to read the Bible. So I had I had no context of what was involved, what was in this book. And um, that's to me, that's one of the, the greatest things that I've gotten out of it is I've learned what it means to be a husband that God is telling us to be, that kind of husband, the kind of father that we need to be um, in this world today. And, and too often, there, I think too many men are, um, walk away from that challenge. It's too easy to walk away from that challenge right now, right? I mean, it's just um, divorce is so prevalent, but it, it wasn't until I started reading the Bible and learning what, what it meant to be a husband and what it meant to love your wife like, you know, like, like Jesus commands us, you know, 
And uh, it's just, uh, it, it's been, it has been life changing. And I, I will say, I want to make sure that I, get, I make this point very clear because we're going to get into some pretty ugly stuff right. here shortly about just kind of how all this came to a head. But I can sit here today and say my marriage, uh, when Amy and I put God together at the center of our relationship, it changed everything. Right. It, it was absolutely a game changer for us. And now our marriage is um, <laughs> the marriage I always wanted that I never knew I wanted or never knew I could have, but I've got it now. Right. It, it, it's amazing how that works out. Right. You know, just past Sunday, I just preached uh, a sermon and and I was talking about Hosea and how Hosea was in a situation where his wife was the one doing all the infidelity and in that they had three or four children, but only uh, the first one was his biological and the other ones were due to his wife's infidelity. But God was preparing him for something bigger and better. He yeah. was a prophet. And in order for him to understand what God had in store for him, he had to go through what he had to go through. And so I, I thought about your wife when you were saying yeah. how she continued to pray and she stuck in there with you and she stayed there and she prayed and she believed God for what he was doing. Um, and so I'm, I'm shout out to Mrs. Getzlow. Yeah. She's, she's the key to this whole story. Like without her and like, and I think it's, I think it's kind of appropriate. We're talking about this heading into Valentine's day and you know, it's a time that everyone are talking about relationships and, and couples, that kind of thing. And like, um, you know, I've been sharing some 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 tips on my social media about what if you want to kind of rebuild your relationship a little bit heading into Valentine's Day. And, and one was was about, you know, making sure that you're praying together with with your spouse um, and, and lifting each other up. But I'd also like but the other one is is forgiveness. Right. When what forgiveness forgiveness can be such a life changing event. And without Amy's forgiveness, I would not be sitting here today talking to you. I, wow. I guarantee that because I would have our marriage. She would have kept that bitterness uh, of what I've been doing uh, when I finally admitted everything to her. She would have harnessed that bitterness. It would have put a wedge between us bigger than any wedge that I had already done. And it just our marriage would have fallen apart and I would not have been saved. And I would have continued to partake in my sinful life and probably would have gotten deeper into it. Right. So, I mean, that forgiveness like that, all, you know, that just unlocked everything for us. Right. Hey, listen, if you're out there watching us today, please share this video. Please share this live event right now. You might know somebody that's in your, in your, in your life and your family coworker that just might see it and pick up and just jump in and, and, and watch and, and learn something and, and go along on this journey with us. So, Neil, uh, you, you, you've spoken now about how you identified the issue. You, you spoke about your family. But now I want to shift gears a little bit and, and I want to talk about how you received the help and what led to writing the book. Yeah. All right. And so. Yeah. <laughs> into it. I, yep. Yep. I, I want to show a couple more scriptures here and talk about that as you think about that that question. And uh, let me just go ahead and, and, and share this with everyone and move on. So James 1 and 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now that scripture, James is talking something about every man is tempted. We know that 
God doesn't tempt us. He tests us, but he doesn't tempt us. The temptation is about us being drawn away of our own lust and being enticed. As you look then at 15, then it says, then when lust has conceived, right, it bringeth forth sin. Now you done taken that lust and you've done something with it, right? Yeah. And sin, right, it bringeth forth sin and then sin. And when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. And the reason why I wanted to talk about that and, and that temptation here, because I wanted to know in the midst of this, because when you're coming out of something, that means you're still dealing with it and you have to go from one end to the other end. So while you were doing that, what were some of the initial steps that started to bring you out of the wayward mindset? So there were, you know, and, and, um, there was an event that we'll, we'll talk about here shortly that happened at the end of February of 2020. That sort of set me off on this. Um, there was like a six week window where things were happening to me that I couldn't quite explain. Um, I had just gotten exposed for what I was doing to my wife. We're starting to have conversations about that, what it meant. She's leaning in hard to say, you need to really ask Jesus um, for help and uh, fight through this. And I'm still resisting at the time. Even after I had got initially found out about what I was doing, uh, I still told I still told Amy, well, I'm 99.9% I'm sure I'm never going to uh, follow Jesus. Because uh, I grew up Jewish, number one. So I, why would a Jewish man ever, um, you know, ever follow Jesus? But I was still pretty stubborn. So there was a six-week window of just sort of processing, like, and, and thinking about things. And but there were some pretty, um, like, there were some, like, there were some very specific ways that God made Himself known to me. Right. And I feel like I gotta get. We gotta get into those because I think that's. Oh. That's going to help. Um, maybe explain, yeah, explain how I how kind of how I got exposed and unmasked, and and then how that set me off in this spiritual spiritual journey. So, um, to kind of uh, mentioned earlier, you know, I, I had a, a pornography addiction. Um, that's that started way back at the age of nine. That's when I was first exposed to porn. I think the stats say the average age today is like the average age eleven. I was nine years old and. I mean, once I once that sort of I saw it, it, it sort of grabbed hold of me and didn't let go. Right. And then it sort of morphed over years, moving from like like any addiction. You, you, it only lasts for so long. And then you have to seek out, you know, harder things, things, you know, um, stronger things to fill up. That's right. And try to fill yourself up. And so it, once I got older, it would, you know, morph into strip clubs and things like that. And then and then finally. Um, you know, in, in my marriage with Amy, it, it, it morphed into an addiction to sex and specifically paying prostitutes um, for sex. And that led me to a hotel room in Chicago. And the last week of February of 2020, I was on a business trip in Chicago. And um, that morning, the morning I was supposed to come home, I, I don't know why, but I, I made an appointment to go see someone. Like I didn't have any sort of there was no physical urge to do that. It was just like there were, I was feeling anxiety right. and when I feel anxiety and that kind of worry, like that is my, that was my medication was, was seeking that out because that's what I'd done all my life. That's what I learned as a little kid to self-medicate on. It was on pornography right? and it stayed with me forever. Um, 
up until two years ago anyway. So right. I go to this hotel room, have this appointment. As, I, as I'm getting ready to leave, the, the second bedroom opens up in this hotel room, and, and a large man walks out dressed in drag, um, looked like a Chicago Bears offensive lineman, but he's wow. holding a cell phone in his hand, and on that cell phone I can see is Amy's social media account and her cell phone number, and he's like, you're going to have to pay us more money or we're going to call your wife. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. That's, uh, and I put myself looking. This is obviously not the first time I'd been in a sit that I visited with someone before, but that was the first situation in my life where, like, there was a moment where I'm thinking, this is could end really badly right. if I'm not careful here. And so my only goal was just I, just, I just told myself, let's get out of the hotel room and get on with your day. So about $900 later, I managed to get out of that hotel room, but as I'm sprinting to the elevator, the door opens up and this couple behind me, they yell behind me saying, hey, you're going to need to pay us more money or we're going to call your wife. Well, I, I made it out of the room, made it back to my meetings. And that's, you know, that's that's where the real the, the name of the book comes from, Unmasked, because like I went on with my day. Nobody knew what happened. I didn't tell anybody, but I didn't act any different. I was so used to stuffing all this, this sin inside of me that it was like, it didn't even phase me that what kind of situation I was, um, you know, putting myself in. And so went on with my day, had my business meetings, came home to Amy. They still had not called her yet. So I'm thinking, okay, I might've just avoided the worst. I can, right. con I can continue to enjoy my sins. We're all good here. And then this is the first time God visited me three times over the course of six weeks. This is the first time on that Sunday night, March 1st, 2020 at 9.30 p.m., my cell phone starts blowing up. It's this couple, and they're saying, you know, texting me and saying, you've got 15 minutes to pay us more money or we're going to call Amy. And um, I just I ignored them because, like, well, I'm not going to pay him any more money. I'm thinking we'll get bored and, and move along. Right. But um, exactly 15 minutes later, I hear my wife's phone blowing up in the upstairs bedroom, and um, – then she pretty soon she she comes charging out of the bedroom downstairs into my office and she's like, "Are you cheating on me?" And um, and I did what any addict would do in that situation. Denied. I lied. I lied to save myself. I I, I said no. This is this is the first time I'd ever done this. I'd never want to do it again. Um, I you know I'm sorry, but really, I was more sorry that I was caught. Then I was sorry about what I was doing to my wife in that situation. And so that set off this like six week kind of like, and you know, so think about the timing of this too. This is March, 2020, two weeks after this encounter in Chicago, we're all now locked down together because of COVID. COVID right. And our jobs, both of our jobs were impacted by it. So we had basically two months of being home alone, trying to deal with you know, this thing I just brought into our life. You yeah. know, before you finish, let me yeah. just interject yeah. here real quick. You know, that's exactly how Satan does us. So for anybody out there watching, first of all, thank y'all for still being on here. I know the, the, the story is probably gonna get a little bit crazier as we get on. And so thank y'all yeah. for, for, for joining in. Uh, feel free to leave a comment. If you have a question, Type it out and, and, and we'll and we'll ask them. Don't worry about it. Um, but the one thing I was thinking about is that's exactly how Satan works. He tricks us into believing that we're OK. And as long as we keep doing it, as long as we keep doing it and not getting caught. Then we think that we're OK. 
But the yeah. minute you get caught, there's no savior there for you now because he just laughs at us and go, oh, oh well, you know, you shouldn't have did that. And, and you know, in the back of your mind, you shouldn't have did it. But yet you were getting away with it. And so uh, for anybody out there watching that's that is, uh, you know, because it might not be a sexual thing. It might be something totally different. But whatever it is, sin is sin. To God, sin is sin. You know, so. So we got to keep that in mind. So go ahead, finish up. Well, yeah, and I, I want to go back to like sort of how like how we even got to this point because um, when I go back to my childhood, nine years old, there was a a, for, a little forest behind my elementary school called the Playboy Forest, and that little wooded area where all these ripped up images from Playboy magazine that the you know we'd ride our bikes there after school and, and check those out, and that's kind of how I first got exposed. But then. Um, my my uh, my parents got divorced. I moved in with my mom. I've moved away from all my friends, so I'm alone. And uh, my mom then starts to work, so now I'm I'm home even home alone even more. And on either side of my mom's bed, there were these two nightstands, and she had stacks of Playboy and Penthouse magazine. Oh and this is what my you know my counselor helped me unpack because that is a big piece of this is mental health and, and taking care of yourself mentally. Um, but he, he uh, when I first talked with my therapist, he asked me, what's the first thing you had to remember um, to learn how to do when you were a little kid? And I had to learn how to be alone. And that's what I used to fill up my heart was pornography because I didn't have the love of my parents. My siblings had all moved out. I didn't have the love of my family. I didn't have a lot of friends. I had this, I had this giant size hole in my heart that I didn't know how to fill that was right in front of me. I thought that was filling me up, right. but it only, you know, it's, it's the, it's a lie. Like I didn't, couldn't recognize it. It was a lie that the enemy was telling me way back then, mm. but it, it's, it starts this shame cycle of nobody loves me. Um, this is why I'm alone. I'm going to look at these magazines to make myself feel better. I feel better for just a little bit, but when I'm done, man, I feel, I feel horrible. I feel guilty. Oh, this is why nobody loves me. This is why I'm alone. And that cycle just repeated for, for 40 years of my life. And again, it's a, as I look back on it now, it's, I didn't have an identity in God. Right. Not until I had an identity in God and I turned that shame cycle into a positive cycle that says I am worthy of love. I am worthy of God's love. Like it wasn't until I got that pounded into me, like, that's broke. That's what helped break me free from all, from all the lies that that I've been been telling myself for all these years. Absolutely. You know, as you were speaking, I was just thinking about you know for everybody that's watching right now, the hole that you were speaking of. I tell this story quite often about when I came to Christ, when I got saved. Everything in my life was seeming like it was fine, right? The marriage was going well, the kids were healthy, everything was whatever. And one night I sat around and, and I know I know my mom is watching and she's gonna remember this story because I tell it a lot. I called her, I was living in Minnesota. She was living in New York City or maybe Baltimore, I'm not sure yet. But I called her and was just like, mom, something ain't right. Something is not right. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, I, said, I think I need to go to church. And it was God speaking to me. Like, I, I need to go to church. And all it really was, was there was something missing from my life, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And so I want everybody that's watching tonight that if you're not in a relationship with Christ, 
and you deal with when the lights go out and you go to bed and you're laying in the bed and you're looking up and you're trying to figure out what is that thing? Like what's going on with me? And I don't know what it is. The void is Jesus. That's what the void is. The, it's, it's a space in your heart that is waiting, that God is literally waiting for you to open up your heart so that he can come in. And so when you were saying that, it literally took me back to when I made the decision to walk toward Christ and start to walk for him. You know what I mean? And 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 it just it's it's all relatable. You know, yeah. and it so happens that we're talking about your particular uh, uh, life and, 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 you know, your your journey. But, sure. um, but it's all it's all relatable. Well, and so I'll, I'll fast forward back to to, to the because there is there is like there is good news to all this story. I know you got you got to get through sort of the, um, the, the 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 ugliness to get to the good part, right? Of course, right. So you know, so I have this six week period. I'm but I'm still not saved, and and so um, I about six weeks after the incident in Chicago, I tried to set up an appointment with someone I knew in Kansas City. And um, I did it on, I set up this appointment through text messaging on my laptop. And here's the second time God sort of intervened in my life. When I leave my house and Amy's home, like I made sure at the time I locked down my laptop tight. She didn't have the passwords because I knew if she got on there, she'd see everything that I was doing. Right. So I left the house for this appointment. And sure enough, 10 minutes later, I'm getting texts from Amy and she's taking screenshots of what's on my computer. Now, I'm telling you, I left the house. My computer was locked. God found a way to get Amy on there. And now she's telling me, like, what are you doing? So, of course, I, I turn around, come home. And honestly, I don't even remember what I told her when I got home. And she wasn't buying it, like, rightly so, right? Like, she was done. And we before we went to bed that night, she said, Neil, the only way you're going to save this marriage is if you pray to God and ask for help. Right. And so... The next morning we woke up, Amy was already gone actually. And so I'm laying in bed alone and I'm thinking, well, this is probably about as good as time as any to, um, to pray. And that's what I did. And I, I just, I just asked God for help. I said, I, I, I can't break free from, from these addictions. I don't know what to do. My life is unraveling. I need help. Like give me a sign that help is out there. And as soon as I finished that prayer, the garage door pops open and it's Amy. And like Amy is the key to this whole story. And so she comes inside, you know, and I'm telling her like, hey, look, I prayed. Um, I really want to work on our marriage. You know, please, you know, please give me a chance. And she reluctantly um, agreed, you know, still confused as to what is happening in her life here over the past six weeks. And then finally, third and final time, God says, okay, this is it. Time to come clean. We're sitting on the couch later that afternoon, and now Amy's phone is blowing up, and it's it's a Facebook message from some random guy that um, we don't know, but all it says was, uh, the message said was, do you know Anil Getzlow? And it turns out that was the ex-boyfriend of, of another woman I had a, a, a relationship with. Right. We had gotten on this woman's iPad, saw the exchange we had, and I was sending those to Amy after the fact, but before any of that happened, I was like, okay, I felt this overwhelming sense, like I've got to confess everything to Amy. Right. And as I talked about it, like I described it in the book, it felt like you're getting ready to throw up. Like you can just feel it in your stomach churning and it's working its way up and you can't stop it. And it just, I just let it loose. And I threw up all over the floor of our marriage. And I told Amy about everything that I've been doing. Um, wow. 
for, for a significant part of our marriage. And, and just like what happens after you're sick, I felt instantly better. I really did. Right. And, but I was waiting for the, waiting for the counterpunch from Amy, like, okay, now what? And, mm-hmm. um, but what happened next um, changed our lives. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it changed our lives. And um, she looked up at me after I just exposed all my sins to her. And she said, Neil, Jesus forgave me for my sins. How can I not forgive you for yours? That's I right. Forgive, I forgive you. And you cannot, I mean, again, this is coming from someone who used to be the most cynical atheist in the world. That was not only that was Amy talking to me, that was Jesus going through Amy saying, I forgive you. Because after she, after those words came out of her mouth, the chains of addiction broke free. Hmm. I have not been tempted to use pornography in over two and coming up on two years. I've not been tempted to stray outside of my marriage in that time. Those, the, the old, the, just like it's just like you, you know, Jesus talks about, you got to lose your life to gain it. My, right. old, my old life is gone. It is gone for good. And I'm not looking back and I don't want it back. And um, it's, um, it is, it's just, it's, <clears throat> I still sit here and think about it and just get chills because I can't explain how it happened. I really can't. Like I said, I just, I, I was not a believer. Right. I thought Amy was crazy when she told me three months after we got married, <clears throat> she had found Jesus. I, I persecuted her. Right. Because I was a non-believer. I made fun of her. I thought she was crazy. Right. But you know what? That's okay. You know, because uh, as I listen to you talk about, oh, and by the way, everybody, I know you see it, but that's the book, Unmasked, com or Amazon.com where, where you can get it. Um, Neil, I, I, there's some comments here. I'm going to read some comments because comments are coming. Secondary is not just on my screen, but it's also on another screen. But as you were talking about your wife, you know, and, and, and the crazy part, and people think you're crazy. Jesus' own people thought he was crazy. Yeah. Right? Jesus' yeah. own people thought he was crazy. And and that's one of the reasons why I, I love this platform of building bridges, because it's allowing me to speak to people in a different way not necessarily in a, in, a, in a church way, but you hear the stories, you hear the testimonies, and then we can still use the word of God and bring it all together. Because yeah. your wife was, what you said, was all biblically based. Jesus told the people, how can you say you love me, but you've never seen me? You mm-hmm. have to forgive them or else I won't forgive you. And the last time I checked, if Jesus don't forgive you, you're not going to make heaven. It's yeah. not going. It doesn't work that way, right? So, so there's a forgiveness piece there, and so your your wife was right on. Let me read a couple of these comments, and uh, my brother Eugene Nelson, who's who's another good brother out there, the uh, the Reconfiguration Podcast, and he's out here doing the same thing. He's 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 uplifting brothers and sisters all across the country with his podcast. But he says Satan is the master game player. Satan plays on our insecurities, and once we take the bait. It creates that sin like we talked about. Right. It's the lust It's once you get into it, now it leads you to other things. And my cousin, Michelle, I I think that's right. Even even where I'm at with Christ in in your life. I understand you because, 
You know, I'm here anytime you need to talk, you know, and just people are just God is faithful. You know, only God can do it. My mom is on here. Uh, Evangelist Delman, I'm so happy you received the Holy Ghost since you believe. Amen. All that good stuff. Right. And, and this is what we have to do. And this is why I do what I do. This is why I have this platform is because we need to be able to hear the testimonies. Remember, testimonies are not for you. Your story is not for you. Your story and your testimony is to uplift someone else so that That's they can right. see the power in God. Because because the way I look at it, this isn't my story. This isn't Amy's story. This is God's story. Amen. He, he gave us this story to share with other people. Because I get that question quite a bit, which is why are you why are you going out there and talking about the worst parts of your life with people? I have to. Like right. number one, I want people who are in the same situation as me to know that there is help and that there is a way out. It, you're not stuck. You just have to reach out to God and ask for help. Right. And I also want people to, I also want, when we talked about this before we, we got on, before we got went live, I also want believers to know like God is still working hard out here. He took, he took this broken Jewish atheist man and turned him into a follower of Jesus. Like, Come on, like really, like, but that stuff is still happening out there. So I take encouragement from that. It's it, it, it's real. It's yeah, real. it is. And I also I want to make it clear too. Um, this also like Amy's forgiveness was important, and it gave us that foundation that we were able to rebuild our marriage on. Right. But what it didn't do is it did not take any of the accountability and responsibility away from me as a man to take accountability of my life, to stop pointing fingers at everybody else, stop blaming everybody else for the problems that I bring it into my life. Right. I don't turn the finger and point it at myself and ask, why am I doing this? I had to come to with a repentant heart to God. I had to come and prove it with a repentant heart to Amy. And there was like, she and like, they're like the, the, the um, her radar detector was like is now strong. She right. knew if, if um she would know now if I was doing something wrong because she could she could um, pinpoint it like crazy right now. Yeah, that's that, that that's called discernment. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's like she's but she can see the fruit that God is producing in our life now. Right. Like that's like that is the difference. But again, I had to take I had to take personal accountability and responsibility for my actions. Her forgiveness didn't let me off the hook for any of that. Right. No, and and it, and it shouldn't because the Bible tells us clearly that we ought to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's a that's the only time that your salvation is the only time where you get to be selfish because it's yeah. about you. You have to do that. No one else can't save you. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. No one can get you in. That's one place. I don't care how cool you are with the bouncer. All right. They can't get you in. Mama can't get you in. Daddy can't get you in. You know, they can't yeah. get you. You have to do that for yourself. And so I love how you, you you phrased that, that even though she forgave you, there were still some things that you had to deal with as a man, as a person, as an individual. And it's and it's a beautiful thing. It, 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 it truly is. Um, yeah, and that's where you know that's where you know starting to read the Bible. Like I in in 2020 and now in 2021, I read the Bible. You know, in the course over the course of those two years, I read it twice now on my third time through. And obviously, I, I've got so much to learn. I'm still like, 
infant and yeah. in, infant in my um, faith here. Um, but that's 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 been the beauty of of reading the Bible. And again, like I said earlier, learning how to be a husband, a better husband, um, and a better father um, because of what you know of what God shares with us, the wisdom that He has in that book, and that He's provided others to share with us. Like um, absolutely, it's changed my it's changed my life. You know, let me ask you this, Neil. Yeah. What were was I should say? some of the hardest lessons that you've learned or maybe still learning during this process? Hmm. Well, I, um, I don't know if it's a lesson I learned, but it's certainly a realization of, um, it was just the realization of, of the evil that I was um, bringing into my life. Um, that I, because of my actions, I had, now I had some random man texting my wife, texting her explicit pictures of himself, texting um, explicit messages to her because of some of my actions. Like, so just, you know, that's, I think, as I look back on, on all the sins, just just the evil I was bringing in, into my life and, and thinking about the impact that it had on, on my family and on my relationships and everything. But I also would say, like, I've, you know, obviously educated myself on the dangers of pornography right. and the dangers of, of sex trafficking and what, what that looks like in America um, over the past two years. And, um, you know, number one with pornography, like it, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it just messes with your brain. You know, it seems like it's innocent enough. You're looking at it, it doesn't do any harm. But for me, it impacted how I thought of women. Um, how I thought of sex and love, the lines got blurred. It, right. it messed up with a lot of a lot of the relationships I had in my life. Um, ended badly because of that uh, the relationship I had with pornography. Um, and then when it comes to prostitution, you know what I learned, which I you know didn't realize because I didn't want to realize it. Um, a lot of these a lot of these women are trafficked. They're doing it against their will. Um, you know, can, can I sit here and definitively say that none of the women that I, um, encountered were there, um, voluntarily or, you know, were there not being forced? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, right. No one ever gave me the impression that they were there against their will, but how do I know? Um, right. I don't. So like it is, you know, the cost is, um, it may not, you may not be able to see it right away, but the cost is high. Um, for when you put yourself in those situations, it almost cost me my my family, and it almost cost me my life. Right. You know? um, uh, but I, I do want to say uh, I want to say this before I forget to say it. Like I, I wish when this all went down, like I probably spent two weeks thinking about um, this couple in Chicago that attempted to blackmail me. Thinking, I, I like I was looking up Chicago Police Department telephone number. I was going to call them, call some vice squad, and, and tip them off, and be like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta stop, you know, stop them from what they're doing to help help other men." But um, as I sit here today, um, I wish I could find them because I would, I would say thank you. Um, wow. Without, like, without, without them, they wouldn't have that. My, I would not be in the same situation if if they hadn't done that. And, and I just, I do pray for them. I, I pray that, that, um, 
they can get themselves out of whatever situation that they're in. But um, uh, yeah, like it's just, you know, my, my entire, my worldview has changed over the past right. two years, you know? Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. Again, everyone at home, we are talking about living, struggling, and overcoming sexual sin. And my guest again is Neil Getzlow, author of Unmasked, Conquering Sexual Sin and Walking in Victory. Neil, I am I'm blown away at your transparency. I'm blown away that that you could uh continue to speak to speak and talk to talk and walk to walk what God is allowing you to do. And also understanding that you haven't arrived. No. Right? We're we're still oh. working towards trying to be more Christ-like. And so I I'm indebted to that uh, because I'm appreciative of when a person can open up and speak candidly and have a conversation and understand that, you know what, the conversation that we're having today, maybe it doesn't have an effect on someone tonight, but maybe tomorrow or the next day because it's on video, right? And so and so we push toward that. And so I want to talk to the young person out there tonight. I want to talk to the parents of young people. And I want to share a couple of scriptures. And um, I typically come from the King James Version, but I also want to read another version so that we can all be on the same page. So Psalm 119 and 9 says, how can a young person uh, uh, live a clean life by carefully reading the map of the word. Now, it says K KJV, but I actually put the wrong version there. But that's what it is in the Message Bible. All right. And in the Message Bible, that's what it that that that's literally what it what it reads. Right. How can a young man live a clean life by carefully reading the map of your word? And basically what the word is just saying is if you're young, I don't care if you're young, you're old. If you're not living a clean life, the answer to how can you do it is right here in the Bible. It is the Bible. It is the word of God. It is the Holy Ghost. It is everything about the Bible. It is everything that God put in place for us. Now, with that also being said, look what first, in first Peter, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. So earlier when I was talking about you sitting around and 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 not understanding what's going on in your life and what's that void and, and what's happening. This right here is helping us to tell us to abstain from that stuff. Stay away from that stuff because it's warring against your soul. It's warring against you. And so we don't want that. So for those parents out there that have those young men, and it's not just young men, it's young women too, right? Uh, uh, we just have to warn them uh, about this because the Bible clearly warns us. And sometimes we don't want to listen. And but there there's a this this I love how they put it here because reading the map of your word, there's a road that we travel and we don't always want to be on that road. And that road will lead to destruction if we don't get off of it pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, I think about, you know, the first time that I've, I've read through the Bible and seen all these, you know, all these these stories in there about you know, all the references to prostitution and all the talk about sexual sin and, you know, all the all the things that, you know, some of the, the you know, like David and, the, you know, what he struggled with in his life. Like it's just, um, you know, it, 
it just opened my eyes. And, you know, when you're, when you're involved in, in this, especially if, you know, when you're looking, when you're looking at pornography, that takes you away from God. That, mm-hmm. that closes off your relationship with God right there. Um, and so, um, and, and like, it's, yeah, I just can't, I, I you, that just takes you off the path. Like you said, it, it takes you down a path of destruction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my life has gone from a life where I was celebrating everything about this world. Like I was living, my flesh was loving this life. I had the pornography. I had the sex. I had the, the alcohol I had going out. Um, I was, you know, sports. You know, think about that. I was worshiping the athletes that I watch every Sunday. I was putting them. They were my gods. Right. When, when, they, had, when they had a good week, I had a good week. Right. And when they lost, I lost. Right. You know, and you, felt, you felt it. Oh, my team lost. Yeah. Oh, in the whole week now. You know, like I was so wrapped up in that. And it, like, it wasn't until I found my identity in God that I was able to shed all that. And like you look at my life today versus where it was two years ago. Um, like I like to think of it as, you know, if you want to get yourself mentally right, you know, when you when you want to get your body right, you always talk about going on a diet and you're eating you know, you're eating, uh, not eating cookies and candy and stuff, but you're eating healthy stuff. But why don't we ever talk about the mental side of things? When you want to get your mind right, what are you, what are you doing to fill your mind up? Right. What are you feeling? I was filling my mind up with junk, the junk of this culture that's trying to take mm-hmm. you away from God. Netflix, Hulu, cable TV, cable news. I was in all of it. It was taking me away from God. I canceled all that. Like I, I like to joke, I canceled my culture before it canceled me. I canceled Netflix. I canceled cable TV. I got rid of all my sports subscriptions. Now I'm spending my days reading the Bible. I'm listening to online sermons. I'm I'm praying. I'm talking about God with with Amy. Like it is just. I'm filling myself up. I'm filling that that hole in my heart is now filled up with God. It is nourishing me. It is filling me up, and I, I want more of it. Not, you know, I'm, I'm only I'm two years in. I want more. Listen, brother, I'm gonna tell you right now. Don't. What someone told me about maybe 12 years ago is not only is he a, a bishop in Minnesota, but he's also one of my mentors, and and he said never lose the zeal for God. So yeah. keep that zeal, Neil. Keep that zeal, right? Uh, there's a lady here, Sandra Sutton, that has a message for you. And she said, thank God for deliverance. And may God continue to bless and keep you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. And there, there, there's people watching on multiple platforms. I got multiple screens up over here. And, man, it's 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 beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. But I want to let the people know if you uh, I, if you liking what you're hearing and you are uh, I don't want to use the word impressed, but you are um, moved by this man's testimony. Come on, let's show him some love. Let me see those blue thumbs go up. Let me see those red hearts go up and just show this man some love. I, I, I appreciate him coming out here and, and being just as transparent as he could be. But I also want to make sure that you understand that there's more to this story. You know, I'm, I'm sure we we would probably need four more sessions to even get into chapter one. Yeah. But but I need the people to know where they can go. So I, I want you all out there to know. Thank you so much for the love that you guys are showing. Uh, go to neilgetslow.com or go to amazon.com and look up his book. 
Unmasked. All right. Unmasked. Uh, I'm going to put the whole title up here just so everybody can see it. Unmasked, conquering sexual sin and walking in victory. And very quickly, I also want to let you know that when you purchase the book, I'm going to let Neil speak to it. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move uh, to the next page. But when you purchase the book. Yeah. When you, if you go to my website um, and, and purchase the book, $5 for every book sold is going to go to Run to Stop It. Uh, Run to Stop It. Stop It is an organization here in Kansas City, and, and they um, collect funds and then donate it out to um, various groups that are fighting against sex trafficking across the U.S. Um, in fact, there's a, a group that they, they're um, sponsoring that's in Los Angeles this week for the Super Bowl to try to do some interventions uh, before the buyers have a chance uh, to buy um, there in, in, in uh, California. So um, they're doing some very important work. It's obviously an issue that, that we're passionate about now that, that I've been saved from that. And um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just thank you so much for, for giving me the chance to, to share my story. And, you know, like I, um, like I always get so encouraged like when I'm sharing my testimony, because it, like every day it reminds me of, I can, I'm reminded of where I came from and, and what, what God has done in my life. And, you know, I'll just say, I, I love, I don't know what, I can't remember. I'm still not good or where my Bible verses come from or where my stories come from. I know this is from Luke though. And, you know, when they're talking about Jesus having dinner with the prostitutes and, and the tax collectors, and it's like, Jesus did not come to spend time with the righteous. He right. came. He came down to hang out with us, the sinners. He came to save the lost, and he broke bread with them. You know, he didn't. He didn't partake in what they were doing, but he broke bread with them. He wanted to yeah. show them uh, the humility side of him being fleshly and divine at the same time. And and you are one hundred percent right. And so many times we we do get it mixed up sometimes in in the church sometimes because of the fact that we tend to forget some of those smaller details when someone is not walking with Christ and, and, and we want to win them to Christ. But we have to win them. She did it. We can't just beat them over the head. Right. We can't just yell at them. We can't snatch them up as much as we want our children to be saved and our parents, and our co-workers everybody around us, we want the same thing. But the truth of the matter is we can't want it more than them. They have to come to an understanding that they have to receive what God has for them. And, and that, that's the thing with me, like, like God, like God helped me break the chains, right? Like he showed me the path. And like, I, I, I firmly believe this. And I know COVID for a lot of people, COVID was horrible because it, it took a lot of lives and a lot of people that we care about are gone because of it. But the other thing COVID did for a lot of people was it gave us a chance to reset our lives because God said, I'm taking away everything you love. I'm taking away the porn. I'm taking away the sex. I'm taking away all your friends. I'm taking away the sports because I'm shutting that down for a year. You've got nothing to do but focus on your life. What are you going to do? The choice is yours. Because I could have all this could have happened. And I, st I still could have decided hey, it's not for me right. and, and walked away. Absolutely. Uh, but. So God showed me the path. I still had to, I still had to walk in faith and believe it and walk in it. And that's when the blessings came. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and that's what, and that's what we have to do. We have to walk in it. We have to understand it. We have to make a commitment 
you know, not only to God, but we got to make a commitment to ourselves that I'm, I'm, I'm tired of living this lifestyle. I'm tired. There's something wrong. I know I need to know what it is. Ask the question. Ask someone. Um, and in the, in the meantime, as as fellow believers, as saints of God, as children of God, we have to allow and and, and I want to say it like this. We have to allow people to be who they are. Mm -hmm. I know it's a hard thing to say sometimes, but we do. We have to allow people to be who they are. We have to allow people to to experience life. We have to allow people to go through whatever it is that they need to go through, but all while remembering that that uh, we are there for them and, yeah. and we can speak a word of life to them. Right. Not about death. We don't speak. You know, the Bible tells us clearly that. The power of death and life is in, is in is in the tongue. So we speak to elevate. We speak to uplift. And uh, tonight, yeah. brother Neil, you have uplifted us tonight. You have uh, set us on a course that I think a lot of people can take your uh, testimony and apply it to their lives because it doesn't have to be just a sexual sin. Yeah. It's sin at the end of the day. You know, what am I doing that's not righteous which means lining up with the word of god what am i doing that's not righteous how do i get to that next level and so i believe that you have helped us tonight sir well th yeah thank you i appreciate you i appreciate everything that you're doing and and trying to bring the message of jesus to um to this uh, world that, that desperately needs it right now and that's you know that's another reason that just drives me to, to come out here and and um and talk about my story because um he's coming Absolutely. He's coming yeah. soon. Whether you believe it or not. Yeah. Right? He's coming. Yeah. Whether you believe so, it or not, he's definitely coming. We got to help. So thank you so much. I appreciate you so much for letting me share. No problem. And uh, I prayed us in. So it's only right that you pray us out. All right. Hey, uh, God, I just thank you so much for, for, for having me on with Norman and for the lives that we're reaching tonight. And, and thank you for the opportunity. You know, you were so good, Father, to save me out of the, the sins that for all of us were, were facing. And, and you were there. You didn't turn your back on us, and you were waiting for us. Um, and, and you came after us, Father. And we just thank you for, for everything that you've done for us. Tonight, I just want to lift up all the men out there that might be suffering from, from sins and addictions, that it might be hurting their relationships. Lord, I lift those men up to you and ask that you restore their lives. You give them the confidence and courage to break free from their addictions, to look for you to look to you for help, uh, to help restore those marriages, and just to give them the courage to know, to, to ask you for help, to help them uh, to break free. And, and for the wives out there that are that are with their husbands and that see that they're struggling, just Lord, we just ask that you continue to give them the patience to pray and give everybody the, the, the healing powers of forgiveness, just like you sent Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us for our sins, Father. And we just... We just thank you for everything that you've done for us. We are so blessed. We are so grateful. All power to you, Lord. All glory to you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Neil. I appreciate you. Let's stay in contact, all right? Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. God bless everybody else that's out there. We're going to call it a night.